Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 13 of Revelation chapter 14, and we're continuing to look at verse 7. Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Well, we saw last time that the command to fear God and give glory to Him has everything to do with salvation. That this everlasting gospel that the messenger of God flying in the midst of heaven is proclaiming is to be preached to all that dwell on the earth is pointing to the sending forth of the word of God during the second part of the Great Tribulation, the latter rain period, in which a great multitude from every tongue and and nation and tribe and kindred of the peoples of the world heard the gospel and God saved the remaining ones to be saved that were named before the foundation of the world in the Lamb's Book of Life. God used the information that he unsealed at the time of the end. It began at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. The Lord brought forth many truths, such as um, annihilation, the Bible's proper teaching on the judgment of God, on the end of the church age, and so forth, and also on the date that judgment would begin on the world, that the end of the 23-year Great Tribulation period, and the very day, the appointed day of judgment, May 21, 2011, when judgment would begin on the world, the day the door would shut, the day the light of the gospel would go out. And God sent forth that message in particular, like no other message before it. It stands alone in history. There has never been a worldwide proclamation in the same way that May 21, 2011 was proclaimed to all the inhabitants of the earth. And and we were witnesses to that. We've never witnessed anything like that before. And, and people who have been alive for decades have never seen anything like that during the period when the electronic medium has come into play in such a major way, and and where that kind of worldwide proclamation over the electronic medium could even be possible. So it's certain that there was no worldwide proclamation that could parallel what happened in the days leading up to May 21 in centuries past. They didn't have the technology. They did not have the ability to broadcast radio and broadcast over Internet and satellite broadcasting. And and they didn't have the ability to take to a plane and for a track team to fly 
um, to one nation for 10 days and then fly to another nation for 10 days and another nation for 10 days. The way God's people were covering the nations of the world on track trips. And there were many of them. And, and there wasn't a news media that had the capability to broadcast these things to millions and millions of people in centuries past. So it, it is not uh, an exaggeration. It is not um, a hyperbolic statement to say that what happened in the years leading up, especially the last couple of years before May 21, 2011, had never occurred before in the history of the world. It is unprecedented that God brought that to pass and, and some of us were privileged to be a part of it and, and all of us were privileged to witness the fulfillment of what the Lord said in Matthew 24 and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. And, and, and that's exactly what took place. The gospel of the word of God was preached unto all nations, and then the end came. That is, judgment day came. We're living in the end of the world. We're living in the day of judgment. Now, some people, they, they just can't get that. They, they, they can't grasp that or comprehend that because they they have their minds made up. They're convinced. Oh no, Christ comes. The world is destroyed, and and that's it. And we go to be with the Lord in heaven. Well, there's all kinds of scripture that won't support that conclusion. For instance, the Bible says, "In those days after that tribulation." Well, can they explain that? Can they explain how immediately after the tribulation the sun is dark and the moon does not give its light and the stars are falling and yet still there's a period of time called those days that Mark 13.24 says takes place after the tribulation. No, they can't explain it. They And actually right now the truth is they're not even going to try. They don't want to explain it. They don't want to touch this topic any longer about the coming of Christ, about details concerning the Great Tribulation, the end of the church age, they'd much rather move on and 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 we we just want it to be the day of salvation. We're not concerned any longer. This is really basically what's taken place today. There there's a lack of concern of of harmonizing the scripture concerning all these things because the scriptures harmonize in a way that they don't like. The scriptures harmonize around the teaching that Judgment Day came immediately after the tribulation on May 21, 2011, the day God said it would, and that salvation ended on that day. Well, they don't like that. They they insist, they demand salvation continue and therefore, that uh, makes uh, all kinds of scripture not fit their doctrine, their gospel that they insist upon at this time. And what is the solution? 
Well, when you can't uh, harmonize the Bible, when you can't solve these kind of scriptural problems, the solution is to ignore it. The solution is to focus on other things. And, and that's exactly what people are doing. They, they're not uh, looking into Matthew 24 or Mark 13 or Luke 21 or the book of Revelation. They're not looking into Jeremiah 50 and 51 and so forth. They're uh, actually, they're not looking into anything. That, that's the sad reality at this point with many that have gone back from the things they once held that God kindly and graciously opened up to us, his people, and revealed to us these mysteries of the kingdom that were unsealed at the time of the end. And it really um, leads to the conclusion that they are unfaithful stewards of the mysteries of God. As 1 Corinthians 4 tells us, God's people are stewards of the mysteries of God. Well, Christ spoke in parables, in a mystery. The, the mystery of the Bible is the hidden truth. And only God's elect are stewards of that. Because uh, professed Christians that are not true believers don't even understand it. And how can the churches be stewards of the mysteries of God? It's only God's elect people. And God placed these wonderful, glorious truths under our care. We're, we're caretakers of the, the gospel, of the mysteries of the word of God in that sense. And when people have turned back from these things that they have no proof or an error. Um, the timeline is still correct. It still stands and, and so forth. They just turn back because they don't see it with their physical eyes, what they thought they would see. They are giving evidence of being an unfaithful steward of the mysteries that God revealed to us. But the Lord's people, they're, they're faithful stewards. God's people are, well, because God causes them to be good and faithful stewards. And and they will give meat in season uh, to others that are in need of spiritual nourishment. Uh, well, anyway, let's go back to Revelation 14, and we'll move on to the next part of the verse, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment is come. The hour of his judgment is come. Now, literally, literally, uh, when we look at the Greek, this, this reads, for came the hour of his judgment. Not is come, but came. It's a past tense. The hour of his judgment, or came the hour of his judgment. Let, let's say it this way. Um, uh, let's say that the hour of judgment begins at 5 p.m. And actually, when we we look at the parable of the, the laborers going into the vineyard, and God likens the work day of the day of salvation to 12 hours, and, and there was a certain group hired at the 11th hour, and they worked for one hour, and then the work day came to an end, 
And that last hour, that 11th to 12th hour, relates to the Great Tribulation period. And so um, as far as the Jewish workday would go, it would be 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., the 11th to the 12th hours. The workday would begin at 6 a.m. The 11th hour would be 5 p.m. So let's say the hour of judgment on the churches, judgment begins at the house of God, begins at 5 p.m. Up until 5 p.m., it could have been said, judgment will come at that time. Judgment will come. It's a future thing. But once 5 p.m. is reached, then it's proper to say, came the hour of his judgment. Because that time has been reached. It is the hour the judgment begins the last hour, and and that's what this verse is saying, came the hour of his judgment. So all that we're reading about the everlasting gospel being preached and, and the command to fear God and give glory to him, which relates to salvation when God saves someone, he places his fear within them, which glorifies the Lord. All of that is taking place within the hour or after the hour of of judgment has come. And again, that hour relates to the Great Tribulation. Now in Revelation chapter 18, and this is found three times and it's always the same tense. So we'll just look at one verse. Uh, Lord willing, when we get to chapter 18, we'll spend more time on this. But in Revelation 18, verse 10, I'll read the King James, which says, Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And and we can see that's very similar to what we have in Revelation 14.7. But let me read it uh, as it would be stated literally, and, and this is from J. Green's interlinear translation. It's a literal translation. For in one hour came your judgment. In, instead of uh, in one hour is thy judgment come. It's, again, a past tense. For in one hour came your judgment. Now this verse tells us not that judgment came, but in one hour came judgment. And that's different than Revelation 14.7. As uh, uh, Revelation 14.7 is focused on came the hour of his judgment. That is, let's say again, 5 p.m. was reached. It began, but in Revelation 18.10, the emphasis is upon one hour, for in one hour came your judgment. That is, that the judgment of Babylon came at the close of the one hour period of great tribulation, or which typified the great tribulation. And it's um, different than what Revelation 14.7 is saying, although it's maybe not that easy to recognize. Well, let's go back to our verse. Again, 
we'll have time to look at Revelation 18 when we get to that point. But let's go back to Revelation 14, 7 and read the rest of the verse. As Again, it says, For the hour of his judgment is come, or literally came the hour of his judgment. And then at the end of the verse, And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Worship him. Now, of course, this is referring to God, the creator, God, the uh, almighty, all-powerful God of the Bible, that the Bible tells us at its very beginning. And, and let me go back there just to remind us. Of course, we know it, but it's good to be reminded in Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And, and then as we go on to read that chapter, it says, God spake and said, let there be. And as soon as he would say it, it was. It, it was a creation that came into existence, that came into being from nothing. God has that, um, incredible and glorious ability to speak a word and to create, to create living things, to create creatures as he filled the earth and, and a whole spectrum, a wide spectrum of creatures, creatures that crawl, creatures that, that climb trees, creatures that fly in the sky, creatures that swim in the oceans and, and insects and elephants and whales, all sizes and different sorts of creatures. And of course, the crown of the creation Mankind created in the image and likeness of God. And it was all accomplished simply by God speaking. And, you know, when the Bible tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful, and quick means alive or living, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the divining asunder of soul and spirit. Well, uh, God means that. Now, God has placed limitations on his word since the Bible was completed. He doesn't uh, demonstrate as often, actually at all, since the Bible was completed, the awesome power of his voice, the awesome power of his word. Uh, outwardly, visibly, for men to see. God doesn't speak and, and part the sea in our time, and he hasn't for over uh, or about 2,000 years. He doesn't cause water to gush out of a rock or manna to fall from heaven at his word. He, he doesn't um, slay giants or cause uh, walls of a city like Jericho to fall. And so many other tremendously miraculous things that God did, that the Lord Jesus Christ did. God's word doesn't heal the sick, give sight to the blind at, at his word, or ears to the deaf at his word, or life to the dead. God could do all that and much, much more, but according to his infinite wisdom, 
and and to his plan he determined to just give the bible once it was completed this is my complete communication to mankind to my people here it is and that bible had power that bible had mighty ability to save sinners and all that god could do in the physical realm with miraculous healings he did perform spiritually and uh, when he would save sinners he did give spiritual eyes and spiritual ears and spiritual legs and spiritual life to the dead god did all those things but he chose to do mighty works in the invisible spiritual realm over the course of these about last 2000 years in order that it might be by faith and it's all according to God's plan and his program and uh he wanted it he desired for it to be this way but we should not think because God has placed limitations upon the power of his own word concerning its outworking or or the things that it is able to do in the realm of visibility where men can see that that means that his word lacks the power oh no the word of god is powerful and and that's why god likens it to thunder and god likens it uh to um, to lightning and the the voice of the Lord thundereth it it is a mighty powerful word and and uh, well uh, I think I got off course a little bit but God says worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea the one who spoke and brought this whole creation into being and he he did it um, in a split second he speaks. And he creates. And at the end of time, he'll speak and destroy, speak again, and create a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, what awaits the child of God is is beyond our ability to understand. It's beyond our ability to fathom the wonderful blessings, the riches that God has in store for each one of his people. Well... There are many verses that tell us of God, the Creator, uh, but not too many that mention these three things as we read here. Worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea. When we, we look up God making heaven and earth, we find several verses. But I wasn't able to find too many where the sea is in, included in Psalm 146, I found one place. It says in verse 5, Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in Jehovah his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. Jehovah looseth the prisoners, Jehovah openeth the eyes of the blind. Jehovah raiseth them that are bowed down. Jehovah loveth the righteous. And and it continues. So God here first uh, mentions that he made heaven, earth, and the sea. 
and and then he speaks of uh, executing judgment for the oppressed, food, giving food to the hungry, loosing the prisoners, opening eyes of the blind, and raising them that are bowed down, which are all figures of salvation. And and that's the interesting thing, because in Revelation 14, the last statement that's made there, worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Well, I think God again is saying, look, I, I am the mighty creator, and this is the word that has such power to create all things visible and invisible, all the creation you see around you in this world, in this universe, is, is a result of the powerful word that comes forth from my mouth. And then God links it to his gospel with the phrase, in the fountains of waters. For instance, in Isaiah 41, Isaiah 41 it says in verse 18, I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. And again, spiritually, that has to do with the sending forth of the word of God, the gospel. And and that's where uh, this word fountains leads us. If we uh, stay in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 7, verse 17, For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And also in Revelation 21, it says in verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And and so these statements uh, tie in with the gospel. God who created the world likewise created the gospel of salvation to redeem a people for himself who would become new creatures through the power of the glorious Word of God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.